You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pit your first listen every day. Locked On Pit is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Nick Fairbaugh. I write for Pittsburgh Sports Now. work at WPTS Radio Station, and I'm a production assistant at ACC Network. Folks, it's an all-Justin Champ any day. We're going to dive in with Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors with how Champagne's doing right now with the Raptors. All the thoughts around him, what his role can be, and what his peak value in the NBA could end up being in Toronto. Coming up, a Champagne-filled episode of Locked on Pit. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast. We got a special guest here, Sean Woodley, host of Locked On Raptors. And yes, that means it's Justin Champagne Day. Sean, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm excited to talk about Justin Champagne. He's been one of my favorite dudes to watch for the Raptors in the preseason. Just kind of intrigued by a lot of what he's got going on. And I'm glad we can kind of go a little bit deeper. Because as much as I would like to spend 27 minutes talking about Justin Champagne on Locked On Raptors, uh, there is Scotty Barnes to be talked about and some other things. So it's kind of nice to flex these Justin Champagne muscles a little bit. Listen, there's so much talent on the Raptors that I love OG is, is doing his thing up there as well. There's a lot of talent on that team uh, up in Canada. But Justin Champagne decided to go north of the border, and obviously Pitt fans thought he might come back. He goes undrafted, and what's kind of the story behind that? I mean, there's a story I think that he had 18 teams offer him. He only wanted to sign with the Raptors. What's kind of the story of how Justin Champagne kind of got to Toronto and, and how that whole thing transpired? Yeah, I mean, the story, if you want to condense it to, you know, the draft process is what you just said, right? He worked out for, I think he said 16 teams. And really the only place he wanted to go was Toronto. You know, he was one of these guys who didn't get drafted. And, you know, but by the time you're at like the fifties in the draft, you tend to want to pick your destination anyway, as opposed to just getting saddled as the 57th pick on some team that isn't totally invested in you. And so, you know, after he didn't get drafted, I think he was very much looking to choose his destination. And I think, The bigger story here is that it goes back years to what the Raptors have done with their developmental system, right? I mean, they have found guys and turned them into pros who make a lot of money. That is kind of their thing. And, and, you know, you can say, oh, you know, all these different things about Toronto. Is it a destination or whatever? For guys who are looking to make it into the league and get paid, this is a destination at this point. You know, plenty of guys have talked about, you know, Raptors 905, the Raptors G League team being a team they want to get themselves to, you know, Justin Anderson, for example, uh, who, of course, the Virginia stud who, you know, was kind of floated around the NBA, was on the Mavs, the Sixers, a whole bunch of teams came to the Raptors for their G League program. And then, you know, parlayed that into some success, made the Nets roster for a little bit afterwards. Uh, and it's just kind of been a running theme that guys really look at the Raptors developmental sort of, 
incubator and think, okay, that's a place I can go to turn my career around. And Justin Champagny, you know, hasn't had a career to turn around just yet. He's kind of still in the infancy stages, but he very much strikes me as the type of guy the Raptors are going to be excited about investing in. They already gave him a two-way contract, which those, there's only two of those for each team. Like those are pretty valuable chips to throw around. Those are 50 games of action you get from a player without having to pay them an NBA salary. They get to be your 16th and 17th roster guys, basically. And Champagny got that from day one. So I think they like him a lot and there's lots to like him, but I think it goes both ways because as you said, and as we've kind of talked about Champagne, very much pinpointed the Raptors. And I think it goes back to their years of sort of proof of concept when it comes to young guys looking to make their way in, in pro basketball. Yeah. I think that's the thing with Justin Champagne. And he's always been a guy that has kind of talked about talking with Jeff Capel about these things very cognizantly and thinking through everything. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he, if Jeff Capel, he's a well-connected man kind of pointing him North of the border there um, <laughs> to the Raptors. I think that that's a very real possibility, you know, Champagne, when he was at Pitt, I think the whole thing, the whole stigma around him was this is a guy that takes over basketball games. Like no other, he's a outlier for his size. He's an absurd rebounder. At least he was at the college mm-hmm. level. He was an absurd rebounder. Pitt fans saw him every night putting up double doubles. Even if even on a bad night, Justin Champagne was going for at least 10 and 10. And, mm-hmm. you know, the question would be, has that rebounding translated? And listen, so far, it yes, there's only four games kind of to work off of, but he has two games there where he put up pretty good numbers, including a double-double. I mean, mm-hmm. are you seeing kind of that, his explosiveness, the vertical explosiveness has been something that he's always trademarked. Is that kind of, is that outlier rebounding nature also something I believe that Toronto's kind of struggled with a little bit as well. So is Champagne, Champagne, first of all, translating that and can Champagne actually help them this year and in the future for the rebounding purposes? Yeah, I mean, definitely. They, they've been a team that struggle with rebounding for a while. And, you know, it's just kind of the way they've gone stylistically, right? They've kind of abandoned the idea of, all right, we need a seven-footer on the floor at all times. Instead, they look for skill and some reasonable amount of size and some switchability on defense, which is why I think they targeted Champagne. You know, he's six foot nine. Everyone on the roster's feels like they're six foot nine at this point. So he's right at home. Uh, and the rebounding has popped. You know, I was at the first preseason game Raptors and uh, Sixers last week on, I guess, Monday, the second, I don't even know what time is or days are any, at, anymore at this point, but uh, yeah, you know, it was the first preseason game Champagne, I believe put up 17 and 10 and the rebounding certainly pops, but also I think, I think, you know, tied to the rebounding, is the thing that I think that's going to make him an interesting piece for the Raptors potentially down the line is he just kind of seems to know where to be and he doesn't really play outside of himself, right? Like he just has a good instinct of where to cut and where to stand and, you know, okay, I'm going to go move over here and relocate here for this catch and shoot three. Um, you know, this is where I can kind of sneak in for an offensive rebound. He just seems to have a really good feel for the game. And for a guy who was obviously so sort of dominant at Pitt and was this sort of central force for that team, it's kind of nice to see him kind of adapt to a team where he knows he's not going to be you know the number one two three or four option most of the time when he's on the floor but he's kind of found those ways to seep in I mean as we record right now you can see in the background I have the Raptors preseason game paused he's got 10 boards in this game already as well and just kind of always finds those little soft spots and I think in particular offensive rebounding wise that's going to be a thing the Raptors have to rely on their offense is not going to be very good they're going to be I think leaning on offensive boards and those extra possessions and if Champagne shows that he can help with that department because he kind of knows where to be in those soft spots to find in the rebounding of the defensive team. 
I really think that, you know, that could be the type of thing that gets him into a, a game or, you know, into games for the Raptors at some point this season. I don't think it's going to be out of the gate. He's going to play a lot at Raptors 905 to begin, but I, I really think just the kind of wits that he's shown do kind of line up with what coach Nick nurse really wants. He wants guys who are smart, who have high basketball IQ, who are going to be in the right place, who he doesn't have to yell at all the time because they're not in the right place. And Champagne really seems to check those boxes. Yeah. And you talked about Nick nurse a little bit and kind of this type of player. Champagne has always been this cerebral force, very chill guy. Doesn't really get outside himself. Never too, too emotional. Very kind of stone cold killer type of vibes, if you will, from him. He's always been mm-hmm. that type of guy, even when he's dominating. Is is What's kind of Nick Nurse saying about Justin Champagne? How are they feeling about Champagne? Really from Nurse up even to Masai Ujiri and all these guys that are kind of, you know, what are they saying about Justin Champagne and, and what they view of him to potentially to be here in the Raptors organization? Yeah, I mean, they haven't talked about Champagne a ton in the pressers I've been, just because, you know, it's after games and they're talking about Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and kind of the big guys on the team most of the time. But what he what has come out has been, you know, pretty positive praise for just kind of what I went through, the sort of the wits and the sort of, you know, the defensive acumen that he kind of brings. And again, the fact that he's six foot nine and can handle the ball a little bit and kind of does a little bit of everything that instantly kind of endears you to the Raptors front office. That's their favorite thing in the world is, Oh, is that guy six foot nine is smart, can play defense and maybe can't shoot at all. That's our guy right there. Champagne really seems to check the boxes, even though, you know, he does have a pretty nice three point stroke as well. I don't think, you know, I'm not sure how real it is or whatever. It's the preseason, but he seems to be confident putting it up at the very least. And he's going to get a lot of reps at Raptors 905 for sure. I mean, the 905, if you're not familiar, like they have been a real sort of powerhouse of player development. And the kind of routine for the 905 has been, all right, we bring in a guy to start the season. We put him in the G League for the first half of the season, see what goes on. And then midseason, maybe an injury happens, or maybe there's just like a, a need in the rotation. And then those guys will get their chance because they put in the work and they put in the time, you know, playing long stretches of minutes, 30 minutes a night with the Raptors 905, taking all those reps and then parlaying that into, you know, kind of a more well-rounded skill set that can play at the NBA level. We've seen it with Norman Powell, for example, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam. The list goes on of guys who have cut their teeth at Raptors 905 before, you know, becoming mainstays of the rotation. And, you know, it's no guarantee. They've had plenty of guys who have been non-drafted guys or, you know, late second round picks who haven't panned out. But the guys who really stick tend to stick for a long time because they do value sort of seeing those guys through. And then they'll also pay those guys as well. They have a track record of, all right, we found this guy, we've developed him, we've made him good. And now he's in the position to earn some money. Let's take care of this guy because we feel like we owe it to him and we've invested in him and he's kind of done everything we're looking for. So, you know, to answer your question, we haven't really gotten a lot just yet, but I just think the fact that he got the two ways so early really suggests that they like this guy and think that he can offer something down the line. And it really fits with what their vision is where again, you know, six foot nine is the name of the game. Yeah. I think that that's kind of the big thing that everyone thought Champagne would at least among pit fans, the vibe was, is he going to get the two way? If he doesn't get the two way, he's probably coming back. Um, And and Mm -hmm. he obviously got the two way contract from the Raptors. Now, I, w- I do want to talk about how he's kind of mitigating his weaknesses. But before I do that, folks, I want to shout out Prize Picks, folks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power 5 as well as mid-major players you may have never even heard of. They offer any prop from yards to touchdowns to interceptions thrown, all that and more. So folks, you can deposit and receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code LOCKDOWN against the promo code LOCKEDON. How does it work? You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. And they also allow mixed sports entries if that's your cup of tea. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. Now, the concerns were, at least this was a discussion among Pitt fans going for far back last year through January when, when it became very clear Justin Champagne was a future NBA player. What sure. does he have to improve upon? What can he improve upon? And the, it's interesting that you mentioned defense because that felt like one of his weaknesses at Pitt. And, and I think part of it was he had to do so much offensive carrying around the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had talent, but you know, Pitt had a lot of chemistry issues and then the transfers and then Champagne was kind of the guy on his shoulders and just carrying everything. But we saw uh, he had a great block the other night um, where he kept stride for stride. We almost never saw that at Pitt. And and he just mm-hmm. looks explosive. He also looks much better defensively. Has that been one of the themes that stuck out to you as Champagne, his motor kind of just what he's doing defensively? Is that a big part of what has really endeared you with Justin Champagne? Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Raptors is if you don't play defense, you're just not going to play. You're not going to be on the team. They're probably not even going to look at you as like an option if you're not a good defensive player who can't, you know, the, the, the way that you sort of overcome it is if you're, you know, Malachi Flynn or something like that, and you actually have some offensive juice on the other end, you can run the offense, you know, mixed returns on that as it stands. But, you know, if you don't play defense, you know, Nick Nurse is not going to trust you. He is not going to put you in his rotation. He has called guys out in the past. You know, uh, the most famous example of this, I think, was a couple of years ago where he called out Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson, two guys who literally only play defense. They are the least offensive threatening players you'll ever see. Their whole thing is defense. And Nick Nurse was like, they're not good enough. We, they don't grasp our schemes. They're not here. They, they, they're not going to play because they don't know what we're doing just yet. And, and you know, oh, again, it's the player that Champagne kind of fits what the Raptors want to do. And, you know, that's the thing. You mentioned the fact that he's not the, the sort of offensive, you know, centerpiece anymore, and he doesn't have to expend all that energy. You know, the Raptors notice that type of thing. And I think they look more sort of for, you know, flashes and body type and athleticism than they do. Okay, what did you do for me at the college level defensively? And I think they saw in Champagne a guy who's mobile, a guy who, you know, seems to have a really high basketball IQ. And I thought, I think they thought, all right, we can teach this guy how to play our scheme. It's a complex scheme. It's, it's very high stress. It's a really big burden. If you're not familiar, they basically just kind of fly all over the place and send guys out to contest threes like mad men and hope they can fill in the back end when blow buys happen. It's very, very complex. There's lots of moving parts and it's not easy to grasp. And it seems like Champagne's come along pretty well with that. And again, I think that's because the Raptors target that exact type of player profile you know, it doesn't matter necessarily what they see in the game to game action in college, but the, are the flashes there is the physicality and athleticism there to potentially become the type of defender who can play Toronto Raptors defense. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with 
when you talk about Champagny, he's if there was one thing I knew he was defensively, it was relentless. And mm-hmm. there was there was always upside there for him. I just think he had to carry too much of a load at Pitt. It was a it's in other words, he's in a very different situation right now than he was, <laughs> say, six months ago here down in Pittsburgh. And the also thing that's interesting is he's made a few threes here in this preseason yeah. as well. Um, I think when he when you talked about that double double game he had that 17 um, of 10, uh, he he was two of five from three. He made one, I believe, the other night. Now he's three of ten in the preseason right now through four games. You you could do better, but it's a very small sample size. But mm-hmm. overall, you t- what do you see from that three point shot? That's been the biggest question with even Pitt fans. Champagne's had a very inconsistent three point stroke. He could be a potential three and B guy at the next level but he kind of had to develop that perimeter game, the corner catch and shoot. He's always been a catch and shoot type. Never going to be, never has been a shot creator in terms of the perimeter game. At least he is at the rack, but what's kind of your impressions of Champagne and kind of what he's doing uh, from the perimeter and and shooting in that area? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's a small sample. It's the preseason three of 10, you know, I think he hit one tonight in the preseason game as we record as well. You know, there's small signs there. I think the thing that's encouraging is that the stroke doesn't look broken or anything like that. I'm not a shot doctor by any means, but you know, it doesn't look like he's going up there with the Michael kid Gilchrist. Like my arms look like uh, they're in like some sort of weird hex as I'm shooting the ball. Like it's a totally normal cromulent stroke. I I think the really important thing here to think, keep in mind is that the 905 are going to let him, to fly, like to give them the green light, right? They give all their guys the green light who they really want to, to let it fly. And they have a long track record of turning non-shooters into shooters as well. So I don't even think it really matters if he's a shooter right now, if you're in the incubator with the Raptors, there's pretty good chance you'll become one just because they think that's a skill that they can teach. It's why they drafted Scotty Barnes fourth overall in a bit of a surprise move this year. They thought, okay, he's got all these other elements. It's just the shot. That's not there. We have had success with that. So why not take the shot here? And I think that's very much the case with Champagne as well. You know, Norman Powell, for example, came in at a UCLA. He was like a really bad three-point shooter in college, like a 31% shooter on high volume. By the time he left the Raptors last season after getting traded at the deadline, he was like a 40% three-point shooter three straight years. It was ridiculous. Pascal Siakam's gotten a lot better. OG Ananobi is a 40% knockdown three-point shooter as well. And I think, you know, even some other guys who have kind of cycled through and out, you know, over the last couple of years have shown that improvement before leaving out the door as well. So, yeah, I, I think what he is as a shooter today does not matter as much as what he is a year from now, two years from now. And I think the Raptors are certainly going to have the ecosystem and the environment where they encourage all of that shooting and development and the sort of confidence. That is the biggest thing. I mean, the other good example of this to kind of draw a straight comparison to a two-way guy is Yuta Watanabe was one of the Raptors two-way guys last season, started off the season kind of, you know, apprehensive, didn't shoot a whole lot from three by the end of the year, they were like taking him off of screens and having him run like catch and shoot stuff, like looking like JJ Redick out there. It was wild. And, you know, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Champagne right away. Champagne has got a long way to go to climb up the Raptors depth chart as they're a deeper team this season. But I think in the 905, there's certainly, you know, there's an investment there. He's one of the guys who will be heavily featured. I would expect he's going to shoot a lot of threes. I would expect he'll shoot a lot of pick and pop threes as the screener, you know, kind of popping out to the perimeter. Uh, that's kind of the role I expect. And I think you're going to get, get, get to see him let it fly all season long. The results don't matter as much as the process. And I think that's the thing to keep in mind here is, you know, he might shoot 31%, but if he's shooting five or six a game, it shows that the Raptors really think that he can get there at some point. It's just going to take some time. Yeah, I think that's something that 
I could never envision Justin Champagne doing, at least watching him pit, <laughs> a catching, you know, going off a screen and kind of the pick and roll. Now, he was a really good baseline guy where they would dump it off mm. the baseline and he would drive from the baseline. Great at that, always. Always good in the high post as well. That's his bread and butter. But he obviously has to develop that other type of game. So you respect his perimeter shooting as well. Now, I want to talk about that Champagne role. But before I do that, I want to let you guys know about BuiltBar.com. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors? Yes, in fact, they do, folks. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's a little bit for everybody. And, folks, if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. And guess what? They're also healthy. There's 17 to 18 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So you get nine amazing flavors. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. So folks, I have an offer for you. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and that's the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Alright folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, and I do want to talk about Justin Champagne's role here with the Raptors, which can be a little bit complicated. But the thing I'm I'm interested in, Champagne played exclu- almost exclusively as a four at Pitt, mm-hmm. just about exclusively. When they went small, he would become the five. It, mm-hmm. It's complicated, they didn't have really a big man, so he, he was a guy, you know. Where are where are they looking to play him? Where's Nick Nurse looking to play him? He doesn't seem like an NBA four. It, it just he doesn't feel like that. He might be more of a three. He's a he was a four dual forward at Pitt, and it seems like he's going to have to kind of reinvent some of the wheel um, with him, even in the Nick Nurse scheme. Even as you talk about great development, it does feel like Champagne's at least going to have to kind of reinvent his role on the court a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think. For me, I think I see Champagne as like a four or a five for the Raptors going forward. I don't think he's going to slide up to the three. I don't think he really has flashed the ball handling chops you want for a three. And they have a lot of wings and guards, right? And so I think the best way for Champagne to kind of be utilized here will be as like a, you know, a four who can be like a bit of a playmaker, right? Can he attack a closeout, make the, the sort of easy read to keep the offense flowing? Can he knock down those catch and shoot threes? you know, kind of a light version of what the Raptors have had with a Pascal Siakam, for example, who, you know, obviously is a, t- t- a second team all NBA player. I'm not expecting Champagne to ever be that good because Pascal Siakam's like a once in a generation developmental success story. But, you know, that kind of idea, that sort of fourth big or sort of winger, you know, it's, like, it's again, the difficult thing here is the Raptors don't believe in positions anymore. They've just kind of thrown it out. They're like, everyone's six foot nine. Everyone plays point guard and center. It doesn't matter. Like Scotty Barnes has played all five positions within quarters so far this season in the preseason. And I think that's kind of a similar body type and profile that Champagne brings as well. So, you know, as the long-term backup to Scotty Barnes, you know, <laughs> you could do a lot worse, I think. Um, but I also think the Raptors have really shown that they don't really care how tall you are. Do you play center? Well, do you do the thing like the rebounding side of things? Are you a good screen setter? Can you pick and pop? Can you finish on the dive? 
that's all stuff. I think they're going to make Champagne test out this year. I think we're going to see him as a small ball five quite a bit. This is a team that doesn't have anyone over six foot nine on the roster. I think it's the first team ever to have that be the distinction since like, I guess like the 1950s when everyone was five foot seven or whatever. But uh, I think, you know, Champagne is a small ball five with the nine of five is going to be pretty routine. And I think if he makes it to the NBA, you know, kind of following the mold of like a precious Achua, Ken Birch, which, which the Raptors have is their sort of one, two at center right now. I think maybe that's where he slides in. If there's an injury to one of those guys, can he be the backup to those guys going forward here? You know, it's all very, again, complex because the Raptors are a bizarro, weird basketball team that has kind of thrown convention out the window this season. It's fun. It's unpredictable, but that makes it pretty difficult to kind of pencil in an exact position where a guy's going to slot. But I do think sort of big man is what they view in Champagne more so than wing. I think that's great news for him because if he doesn't have to revent himself on the wheel, <laughs> he can follow what he did kind of at Pitt a little bit and, and stick in a comfort zone. That was kind of always mm-hmm. the thought, like maybe he would come back because he would have to develop those small ball skills. You know, he would have to sure, develop those sure. three skills, those, those small forward skills, if you will, even in a more positionless NBA, you still need to create your shot and kind of do that. And he was never a great ball handler. So that was kind of the thought, but if he has to stick at what you're saying, maybe a four, even a five in small ball, I think that's, he did that at Pitt. That's ex- his exact role. So I think mm-hmm. that's exactly where he would fit in. Well, I, I, I do want to ask you, do you see him becoming any bit of an NBA contributor this year? doesn't have to be early at any point throughout this schedule. Do you see Justin Champagne maybe getting out of the G league and maybe being raised up to the NBA team and getting, you know, not significant minutes, but getting enough mm-hmm. there where you can see, yeah, this guy has flashes. This guy's this. He, he can do this next year. Do you expect him to maybe get up to the NBA and do some things this year? I would say I don't expect it until like the second half of the year at the earliest, just because last year was such a bizarre year for the Raptors with, you know, how much they care about their G League team and how much they value it with the bubble taking place with the G League down in Orlando. It was like a 10 game season and. And like the best players they had for that team were forced into duty on the Raptors because the team had COVID during that time. And it was just like a nightmare, you know, Malachi Flynn, Jalen Harris guys who should have been getting G league time in that incubator were just playing NBA minutes and not doing terribly well in those minutes because of, you know, how much of a disaster it all was. But, you know, this year, Patrick McTumbo, who's the coach of the Raptors 905 team, um, you know, it's his second season. He coached that bubble season as well. And I think he's going to want to get a full season kind of doing his thing with the 905. I think the 905 are looking for a full season, kind of getting things back to normal and not relying so much on a guy like Champagne more than they'll have to. But and it's also a deep team, right? And at that position in particular, I mean, like we said, the Raptors are loaded with dudes who are kind of the same size as Champagne, play the same position. So I just think it's going to be difficult for him to crack a rotation at any point in front of him right now at the three, four, five spots you've got any combination of Precious Achua, Kem Birch, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher. That's six guys right there before you factor in, you know, Delano Banton, who is another one of the second round picks for the Raptors this season, who was on a guaranteed deal. Yuta Watanabe as well, who was a two-way last year. So it's going to be tricky. If there's injury, if COVID strikes again in some sort of unforeseen way, then maybe Champagne gets thrust into action. But I think the actual appeal of this season and what Champagne's year will be like is that he actually gets that time down with the 905, that real legitimate time with the coaches down there to spend, you know, 40, 50 games down there. You know, he'll be able to play some NBA games. I would expect maybe by the end of the season, he could be in line to be sort of promoted if, if, you know, things happen and he has to play those 50 games that two-way players are allotted. You know, if he gets to that 50 games or 50, 
50 days, I think it is with the team. Maybe it gets to the point where they have to convert him to a full-time NBA deal and he becomes part of the roster. But I think this is more of a long play for sure. And they're probably looking at next year being the time that Champagne kind of slots into the rotation, barring some sort of unforeseen disaster this year. There's just so much competition at that spot and guys who are just far more established who I think are going to you know eat up those minutes. But again, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the fact that they want him down the 905 is going to be a legitimately good thing for his long-term development and the overall success that he might have in his NBA career. Yeah, I think that the development is obviously something he's going to have to work on again. We've talked about kind of what he has to develop even if he is that four or five, it's always good to be a shot creator and have ball handling skills. It doesn't matter. Those guys are <laughs> unicorns, if you will, and that gives you playing time. So, mm-hmm. and he he might not be a Raptor his whole career. So, he's not might might not also be also true. Yeah, it, yeah. It just might not be a scheme fit all the time either. You know, he's in a great spot, but if he does become a quality NBA player, you're going to be talking about money, and then there's all different layers to that. But sure with Champagne. I think the biggest thing I'm worried about with his development is he has a history of injuries. Um, He does. It's knee injuries specifically. Um, Now those aren't haven't arisen, but let's talk about, this is my last question for you about Champagne kind of at his best in at a realistic projection for him with the Raptors. What do you think Champagne can be in his NBA career? Is he a guy that can be, let's talk, PJ Tucker-ish type of player, <laughs> um, type of guy that could do that. You know, maybe never a starter, but a really key bench piece. What do you think is kind of the realistic expectation for Champagne here in his NBA career? Yeah, I don't love doing player comps necessarily all the time because they're kind of, you know, it's difficult to line up two guys. But I-, I will throw one name out there from recent Raptors history that maybe kind of strikes me as, okay, Champagne could fit that mold. It's Patrick Patterson, uh, you know, former Kentucky guy, was like a really legitimately good role player for the Raptors for a few seasons there. He kind of fell off with injury and whatnot after he left the Raptors in free agency. But for a time there, I mean, he was the best option they had to guard LeBron James in the playoffs. That's not saying much. It's not surprising the Raptors lost all those series. But, uh, you know, Patrick Patterson was a very good defender. He was a big part of their best lineups, you know, kind of that fifth cog as the power forward in a lot of really, really effective Raptors teams. I think one season Patterson led the entire NBA in overall plus minus just because he was playing in some like really, really strong lineups and helping to prop them up. You know, a low usage guy, maybe averages like eight points and five boards a game. But, you know, there's lots of value in a guy who can do that and is a regular contributor either off the bench or as a spot starter or something like that. You know, I don't ever like to overhype or, or sort of expect too much from a guy who's on a two-way or anything like that. But I do think, you know, that there's certainly a pathway to some sort of role for Champagne in the NBA. The physical build is there. The scoring touch is there. Again, the basketball IQ, I think, is very clearly there with the way he moves himself and positions himself on the floor to take advantage. Um, but again, it might take some time, you know, two, three years, who knows, but that's kind of the, the role I envision for him now, but Hey, you know, the Raptors have this thing where they'll take guys who figure to be one thing. And then all of a sudden, three years later, they're making all-star teams. So who's to say the sky is the limit, I suppose, when you're under the Raptors developmental system and, you know, not everybody's going to become Pascal Siakam, but some do, some have really, really great success and go on a long NBA careers and make a lot of money and Champagne, I think. More so than some of the recent guys the Raptors have had in the system between, you know, Dewan Hernandez, who was a Miami guy, uh, who they drafted a couple of years back as a center. 
Uh, Jalen Harris, who unfortunately uh, is missing this season because he tested positive for the, the leagues, the leagues, you know, banned substances or whatever. Um, very silly stuff to test grown adults for drugs, but that's besides the point. Uh, you know, I, I still think Champagny kind of trusts. He, I trust him. I think a little bit more to just sort of maximize his NBA potential than some of those recent guys. So I think there's a, uh, there's a lot of hope here that Champagny can be a legitimate NBA guy, you know, within the next couple of seasons and probably with the Raptors. Cause again, if they develop a guy, they usually want to keep him around. Sky's the limit for Justin Champagne. All right, Sean, tell them where they can listen to your stuff, plug your stuff, where they can find you, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you can find Locked On Raptors every single day. We're on YouTube as well as on your favorite podcast platforms for free. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. I do some writing for Raptors HQ, which is the SB Nation Raptors site. Um, if for some reason you're a Pittsburgh sports fan who wants to read a book about the Raptors championship, you can pick up the book I wrote after the Raptors won the title. We, the champs, that's also available wherever books, books are sold. Uh, but yeah, on Twitter at Woodley, Sean is a last name. First name is the place to go to find all the stuff I got. cooking. All right, folks, make sure to go check Sean out. Yeah, this is the second episode of this great day. Thank you guys for making it your first listen every day here on Locked on Pit. We really appreciate that. Of course, tomorrow it's all football, folks. Virginia Tech, we're going to talk about how that Virginia Tech defense can still be exploited by Kenny Pickett in this passing offense. But before you go, folks, I want to make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen every day. So get all of your daily ACC news in less than 30 minutes with ACC expert Candace Cooper. It's free and available on all platforms. All right, folks, as always, hail to Pitt.